Maddie, and welcome to The Millennial Minimalist. Today, we are speaking with comedy podcaster, creative entrepreneur, and passionate minimalist Delaney Fisher. Delaney is the co-host of Self Helpless, a leading comedy podcast featured on Conan O'Brien and The Tonight Show, and co-hosted with popular comedians Kelsey Cook and Taylor Tomlinson. Delaney is also an extremely passionate and enthusiastic minimalist. She recently adopted this lifestyle, and in our discussion, she shares the benefits that have come from living with greater intention and letting go of physical and emotional setbacks. Her lifestyle journey exemplifies the great meaning and fulfillment that comes from decluttering our lives to the things we don't need and becoming more conscious about how we spend our time, energy, and money. Minimalism also encouraged Delaney to leave the corporate world to become a business owner, and more recently inspired her to live more sustainably and embrace a vegan diet. In our discussion, Delaney shares a candid and motivating reflection on her minimalist journey, and she provides actionable tips on how to design a lifestyle that is most authentic to you. We're so looking forward to our chat today. We know that you're, you you like to call yourself a self-improvement junkie, and you also love minimalism and decluttering. So, Yes. Oh, yes. That's my jam. <laughs> so the three of us have a lot to chat about. And then, as you know, Lauren, how I mentioned, she's into the comedy thing now. So I just started comedy. I did so many wedding speeches this summer, and people kept coming up to me after, and they're like, you have to do stand-up. So I just started uh, trying. There you go. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you what influenced you to adopt this lifestyle or how did you originally come across minimalism? Like how did you first hear about it or get into it? Well, I, you know, I was raised in a household where my, my mom, I love her to death, but she's a bit of a hoarder. She was a bit of a shopaholic. She liked to collect things. And so as an adult, I always kind of was mindful of not having a lot of excess stuff. But I really got into it, I would say, around the age of 24, when somebody recommended Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. I read that book, and um, I think from then on, I was really, really mindful of my stuff. I think I read that book and watched the minimalism, uh, minimalist documentary in like the same weekend. So within one weekend, I think I got rid of like 80% of my stuff. And then I ended up going to like my, my parents' house and going through the garage and just getting rid of all the stuff that I had in boxes. I just really didn't want to have anything that I didn't need or anything I wasn't displaying. So I guess I've been doing it for about five years pretty hardcore, just kind of maintaining that. It, to respond to that, Lauren and I, we can relate because we grew up in households where our families had a lot of stuff. My mom's so a hoarder. <laughs> like she still <laughs> shops all the time. And I, I, people joke around that I have like a complex because I grew up like that, but now I don't want to own anything. Yep. <laughs> I feel like a lot of our generation grew up with parents that just overbought and they kept so much stuff. Yeah, but yeah. now we're kind of adopting this mentality where, like, we don't want the stuff because we feel like it's holding us back. And Lauren and I, like, we've been doing this podcast for over a year now, and what we quickly learned is that it's so much more than our physical things. Like, minimalism is essentially, like, a lifestyle template because it yeah. allows us to remove all this excess, right, so that we can then zone in on every area of our life and figure out, like, hey, like, what area needs improvement? So... Oh. Uh, yeah, 100%. right. Right. So, on, on that note, like, what area in your life do you feel like you've improved the most, Delaney? Oh my gosh, such a great question. And seriously, everything. I think once I applied 
those, I guess, tips and tricks is what I thought it was in the beginning. It's like, okay, this is just a nice way to declutter and, and make me feel relaxed in my space. But you get into the habit of asking the same questions about all areas of your life as far as, do I really love this? Do I really need this? Do I want this? All that stuff. And so it's completely changed my relationships. It changed my career. Uh, it changed uh, what I eat. So I think it started with really getting clear on the fact that I wasn't really happy doing what I was doing. I was doing a lot of stand-up comedy at the time. I was very heavily involved in the entertainment industry. And after you kind of are done kind of decluttering and minimizing your stuff, you can't really help but transfer that to everything else. And so I ended up changing my career. I found a relationship uh, with my, my current boyfriend of three years that I'm really happy with. Meeting new people and kind of changed my friend circle in a lot of ways. And yeah, I, and now I'm kind of uh, adopting a, a different, different food habits as well. And I think all of it stems from minimalism and just really having what makes you happy and not having any excess. And yeah, like you said, I don't want to be, I don't want to feel trapped in anything that I do. I always want to feel like I have options and uh, I don't know, being a minimalist just makes me feel lighter, I guess, just easier, simpler. And I've saved so much money, I think, because of that as well. Wow, so well said. I'm actually working, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called Happy Money by a guy named Ken Honda. And basically, oh. yeah, I, I recommend it. Like, I'm only, I'm only halfway through, but it helps us better understand our relationship with money. That's where it starts, but then it goes into every aspect of our lives. And what he said is he said, Everybody just like sit still and think about every part of your life as a little jar and think about how full is each jar. And then you can think yes. about like, hey, like this, like my health isn't that full. Like my, my work life, like it could be fuller, like all these things. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's all about balance. And I think being a minimalist really makes you mindful of the balance. And, you know, sometimes I, I tend to be a workaholic, so then I have to like, you know, I have to work hard at having fun and like doing things not for work. And so I think, um, yeah, just simplifying it to the core, the core values that you want in your life is, is very helpful with all of this. Um, so you, you left comedy, like what did you do before you did comedy and like, why did you leave stand up and, and what are you doing full time now? Cause I, I listened to your podcast where you said that it wasn't your lifestyle. And that's exactly how I feel. Like I sell real estate by profession in Toronto. And the last thing I want to do is stand in like a grungy bar at 11 p.m. at night when I was tired. <laughs> and I'm like, is, is this it? Is this my gift? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I totally feel you. Um, so I started doing stand up in college. So when I was 22, I had just gotten into it. And so when I graduated college, my new goal was to you know, come back to LA and really try to immerse myself in the comedy community. And I was, I got a job at a movie studio and I was, I was performing on nights and weekends and I was going out of town on weekends. And then uh, I had a bunch of different jobs while I was pursuing standups. Uh, sometimes I'd have a nine to five. Sometimes I'd have like the flexibility of being like a Lyft driver or like a mystery shopper at Kmart or whatever the hell I needed to get by. <laughs> so I did stand up for a total of like six and a half years. And I would say that by year three or four is when I really started. I really started the, the reality of what the job is really sunk in. 
And I just realized that it, as much as I loved the craft, I didn't love it enough to do all the other stuff it required of me. And I slowly started easing out of it. So I started kind of cutting back on, on the shows I was doing. I started kind of taking other jobs in the entertainment industry instead to see if I'd like those more while I was kind of keeping stand-up around. So I ended up writing a, a script that got picked up by Lifetime, and I got, uh, I you know, I was part of an improv troupe, and I was doing, like, acting gigs here and there, and really trying to figure out if there was another part of the industry that I'd maybe like better that was more suited to the lifestyle that I wanted. I really just, I'm, I'm a homebody. I'm a homebody. I like to be, I like to live in one city and come home to the same place every day. I wanted stability. I wanted a relationship, and... At the time with stand-up, I was performing every night. I was gone every weekend, and I wasn't seeing my friends or family, and I couldn't hold a relationship. And I mean, it, it can definitely be done, but I knew that it was making it a lot more challenging for me. And so I basically eased out of it until I told myself I was really done. And what I did, uh, I had a hobby at the time called Dicks by Delaney. Which we love, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had this hobby that I started on the side for fun years ago. It started off as like a joke uh, at, a, at a party with a bunch of comedians. It was like a Christmas party. Uh, everybody had to bring a handmade gift. And I brought a coffee mug that had a bunch of like penises painted on it because I just thought it was silly. And people loved the mug. And I started making these dick mugs for like friends and family. And it just kind of became this like this hobby that I did on the side for money. And so... I I was working a day job. I was doing stand-up. Uh, had just started the podcast, you know, with um, Taylor Tomlinson and Kelsey Cook. And yeah. um, I saw Dicks by Delaney as, like, my way out, at least for a little while. Like, if I could make enough money selling these dick mugs, basically, <laughs> that I, it would give me time to figure out how I really wanted to to pivot or maybe I would end up loving the Dick's by Delaney job and being my own boss, that I would just stay doing that. So I launched that, and um, I ended up leaving my day job to do that full time. And that kind of snowballed into something else. So now where I am, I do creative consulting, and I give like creative consulting to people who want to start their own businesses or people who are in, in entertainment and need help on certain projects and all that stuff. So it kind of just one thing led to another, and now I work from home, um, yeah, doing Dick by Delaney, the podcast, and uh, my consulting business, which definitely fits my lifestyle a lot more. And so I've tried to keep what I love about comedy and stand-up within what I do now. It just fits my life better. Wow, I love your story. <laughs> yeah, and I love how you basically ask yourself all the important questions. You're like, am I living my best life? And you weren't. And you're like, hey, like, how can I change that? And now you've kind of put that into practice. And you are started with Dick's by Delaney. And that was an outlet to figure out that, hey, like, I would love to do creative consulting. And I'm in love with your podcast, Self Helpless. And I've been listening for almost two years now. And I just enjoy following your dreams from afar. And yeah. the beauty of it is, in one of your episodes, you talked about how you feel like you are becoming more self-aligned. And I love when you said that because we recently recorded an episode on minimalism and vulnerability. 
and we talk about removing our masks and our safety nets in our life, whether physical, mental, or digital, and how it helps us become our true selves. So that being said, do you feel more self-aligned today? And do you think that is what, if so, do you think that's what has kind of influenced you to embrace new interests? Oh my God, yeah. I feel like uh, I've never felt more like myself. I think a big reason why stand-up was not working for me is just because I was going, the, the job required me to go against so many things that I personally wanted. And even though objectively things were going well, you know, an outsider would see, oh, Delaney's getting booked a lot. She's getting TV spots. She's making money doing it. Like to them, it's like, oh, I'm making it. But inside, I felt like, I'm trapped in this thing that I don't want to do anymore, but I'm reliant on it for part of my income. And it is also, a, you know, it's also nice having something like that to talk about, I guess. It makes you feel a little special, I guess, you know? So I felt like by giving stand-up up that I would just, there would be nothing like special about me again. I know it sounds kind of silly, but I think so much of, people's jobs can get wrapped up in their identity as well. I think that's what was happening with me. I kind of forgot all the areas. I stopped, yeah, I stopped giving time to the things that I really truly loved in a lot of ways. So without with stand-up being gone, it allowed me all this time to remember the things that I really, that I enjoyed outside of stand-up. And yeah, I kind of just got back to basics in a lot of ways with things that I used to like that I stopped doing. And especially being being a minimalist, too, I've just, after I feel like I get one thing kind of up and running, so like, you know, I became a hardcore minimalist, and then I found uh, my relationship. So I started dating my boyfriend, I'm like, okay, I got my relationship, that's going well, what's next? And then it started with my job, I'm like, okay, I got to get the hell out of stand-up, what can I do? And then I feel like I got a handle on that, and now, uh, and then from there, it was like, okay. I need to start exercising again. How can I get my health <laughs> in order? And then, you know, started incorporating that. And then the next transition was like, all right, what am I actually eating? And that's why I recently became a vegan um, because that felt like the organic next step. I'm kind of just, I'm minimizing and simplifying every area of my life. And it started with my stuff, but it's actually, you know, transformed everything else too. So yes, I feel very, I feel like I'm living very authentically now and I'm not trying to be, you know, what, what I think others want me to be. I'm just being myself now. Yeah, there's actually a great quote, one of my favorite quotes. It's a quotable because I know I'm self-helpless. You have quotables. <laughs> uh, it's by Wayne Dyer. He says, I would rather be hated for who I am than love for who I am not. I yes. That. I Amen that. to that. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Your story is so interesting because I feel like you dabbled so much, which is amazing. And I feel like when I was younger, I always had to have everything laid out with what I was doing. And I yeah. like that you dabbled so much. And I can relate to you on so many levels. Like so many people came up to me after these weddings and they're like, you have a gift. And then I would go to these, like, it was like 11 p.m. And I'm like, I'd rather be in bed than like share my <laughs> gift with the world. So it's so interesting hearing your... Um, your story and it's it's so inspirational because even if there is something you love sometimes there's other things you love more like your lifestyle or stability or it's just it's so interesting um yeah. and what's so cool is you can you can take what you love about 
whatever it was, whether it was like, you know, bringing laughter to people or writing something and you can place that in a different area that works for you better. So I remember like with stand up that just like sitting in a room and collaborating with my friends on something or just like talking about the, our, the bits that we're working on or whatever it was. Like, I feel like I get that element from having the podcast. And then, I, you know, maybe I'll write something funny on Instagram. And I feel like, all right, I wrote a little bit of a joke today. I guess that checks off that box. So I think you can keep your, you can keep your, you know, writing sensibility and your humor around. It doesn't always have to be plugged into the stand-up lifestyle. Yeah, you know? no, that's so true. Um, I want to talk about your vegan diet, too. I do intermittent fasting, and I feel like a lot of people who do intermittent fasting naturally become minimalist because they minimize their diet so much that once they start fasting they're like yeah I just started throwing a bunch of stuff out too yeah like Lauren and I both did we went into yeah. all of our covers like we don't need all these spices and all these additives like let's just have a cleaner diet yeah. let's not buy all those things that just sit in our cupboards forever and then let's also focus on our health as you say Delaney it makes you hyper focus on every area you're like how can I better my health and would you say that you said that minimalism inspired it to, to do so? But if you can just talk a little bit about your diet more and like why you started it and, and how it's been working for you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I went when I was like 25, I went vegan for about a year. Um, and I think I had watched Veducated, I watched a documentary. And, uh, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to try this out. And I was really trying it for my health at the time and um, just wanted to kind of challenge myself to see if I could do it. I ended up doing it a year and then I stopped because I really crumbled under the social pressure of, of being a vegan. Uh, a lot of people were giving me a lot of crap for it. Uh, I felt uncomfortable at social events because everybody wanted to talk about it with me. And I just kind of, I kind of stopped. So um, I went years with going back to just eating all, all the things and um, about let's see six months ago now I decided to do it again but I decided instead of for my health I was going to be doing it for other reasons like animals and the environment and since I made that decision for those reasons I've had no problem sticking with it and I don't have the pressure I don't I didn't put the pressure on myself to be like super healthy and just like eating fruits vegetables and grains I'm not like I'm not like a really like a whole food or plant-based vegan, I guess you could say. Like I eat a lot of the other stuff, the, the burgers and the hot dogs and the pizzas and all that. So that to me uh, better fits my uh, lifestyle this time around. Um, the first time I did it, I felt a little bit deprived because I was trying to be very, very perfect with it. And yeah, if anybody is curious about certain materials that – that inspired my decision. There's a few document documentaries and, and things I can direct people to, but I know it's a very sensitive topic for a lot of people, and I, I try not to, to to make anybody you know feel uncomfortable, but um, there are a few things out there. Uh, if you're curious about health benefits, there's, some, there's a documentary, uh, Forks Over Knives. If you're curious about environmental impact, uh, there's something called Cowspiracy. And then if you're curious about uh, animal um, exploitation and things like that, uh, Earthlings is, is a film. So if anybody's curious, those are those are some places to start. But yeah, I just it, it kind of it kind of went back to what do I really what do I really want to be doing 
what aligns with my with my beliefs and values and this time around I think I'm able to stick with it because I really care less what people think of me when I was you know 24 25 I was still really influenced by other people and their opinions of me and what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing and now several years later sticking to my gut as far as who I should be dating and what kind of career I should be in and all that stuff has worked out for me in every way. And so I figured, you know what, uh, why would my, my diet and lifestyle choices in, in that way be any different? So that's no. kind of where I'm at. I feel very happy about that decision. Absolutely. And in addition to all of those that you referenced in your latest podcast on self helpless, you talk about veganism as well. So if anybody wants to learn more, you can refer to that episode. And also a fellow minimalist, uh, Leo Babauta, I don't know if you've heard of him. He is the blog Zen Habits. He's he's vegan as well. And I know he's really inspired a lot of minimalists to adopt um, that uh, lifestyle. So Uh, wow, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it it can often go hand in hand. Also, uh, that vegan couple, they're minimalists, they're big uh, uh, vegan activists and all that. But um, I think it goes hand in hand. I think a lot of minimalists become very aware of like, environmental impact as well of having a lot of stuff and having giant homes and all this, all these things. And when you kind of simplify that, you you realize well you're really you're you're really helping the environment too by living by living minimally. And um, when you start doing all that other research, it's like oh, actually eating a plant based diet is such an incredible thing to do for the environment. So I think that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was an area that Lauren really wanted to focus on because she's kind of always lived simply when it comes to her physical space. But when we started yeah. this podcast, she's real she realized like hey, like there's mental clutter, there's emotional clutter, hey, and there's also be more conscious of being less, less wasteful and living a more sustainable lifestyle. So yeah, I got so much more into environmentalism, but I would have like one towel and then I would be like, um, have a million thoughts in my mind. So I didn't yeah. quite make the connection until after. And yeah, yeah. For me, the, the, the vegan slash plant-based lifestyle, whatever you call it, it, it minimizes so many things and it simplifies my decisions. Like I'm somebody who gets very overwhelmed if I have too many things to choose from. Uh, I'm definitely that person that will like stand in the aisle at CVS, like reading all the different shampoo bottles and like trying to figure out what's the best deal for the best ingredients. And like, I'm a nut job. So for me, it's like going to the grocery store and you're like, Oh, this is vegan. This is vegan. This is okay. I'm done. Like out in 15 minutes. It's so easy. Um, it's just simplified my decisions too. And then, in, in a nutshell, if you if you do adopt it or at least try it a little bit, you're minimizing uh, your negative impact on the environment. You're minimizing animal cruelty. You are improving your health. It's like it kind of checks off a lot of boxes for me, which for me is like I like to work uh, smarter, not harder. So I think mentally it's very it's helped a lot with the mental clutter that you guys were talking about. And it's so, it's a lot easier to eat a plant-based or a vegan diet. Like, you can go to A&W and get a burger now. Oh, like, my God. Everyone's so much on easier. it, yeah. Yeah, even five years ago when I tried it, it's like, it's so different doing it today. It's like they have a substitute for everything. Yeah, it's, it's great. I have, I don't feel deprived at all. And honestly, if I did feel deprived, I don't think I would stick with it. So um, if anybody has this in the self-help list, you know that I'm a big I'm a big foodie. Like food is pretty much my main 
my main love in life. So <laughs> I feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. You, you're very self-aware and self-reflective that you're like, oh, I want to be a vegan, but I can't do it. But then you go back and you're like, okay, as long as I can eat vegan junk food, then this will work out. So that's yeah. amazing. A lot of people are, aren't able to do that and that's why they fail. So Oh yeah. Try not to put so much pressure on yourself. We're all just trying the best we can and don't, don't put pressure on yourself to be perfect with minimalism, with a plant-based diet, with anything. You just got to allow yourself to just relax a little bit. No, that's so true. And so I want to talk about um, eco-friendly and sustainable habits because like Kelly said, I, I have been a minimalist my whole life. I didn't even know it as a child. I didn't, once I saw the documentary, I was like, oh my God, like I am this. Like I didn't even know this was defined as a lifestyle. Cause, and people always made fun of me. They're like, you don't own anything. You don't have anything. Lauren's sitting in her empty apartment right now. <laughs> so, I, and then um, Kelly kind of was like, I love the way you live. It's so simple. And, and then I, I really started reading about it. But the biggest thing that came out of it was the environmental impact you have. And so I, I want to ask you, like, what kind of like your actionable eco-friendly habits that you have incorporated because of minimalism and if there's any tips for our listeners? Yeah, great question. Um, so I do you guys have Buffalo Exchange wherever you're at, like the great secondhand uh, thrift shop? I believe anyway, we do, yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's like, it's really easy that, like, I can buy all my clothes used now, and they're still really cute and stylish. I actually find cuter stuff when I when I thrift shop versus when I, like, go to Target or something. Um, so I find things secondhand is super simple, um, very actionable. Uh, find, find your local thrift shops and, and check them out. And uh, what other stuff? I think we've really tried to be very mindful in – all the areas so things off the top of my head I use like the um the the not the food wrappers but like instead of food wrappers there's like there's a couple different brands out there as far as like some are made out of beeswax some are made out of vegetable materials I I buy the vegetable one because I'm vegan so um instead of using uh foil or saran wrap or anything there's these just like reusable food wrappers that you wrap around and then you can just wipe off and reuse them hundreds of times. So I love those. Um, that is so like, cool. Things yeah. like bringing, um, bringing your own like Tupperware to a restaurant. If you're going to have leftovers, just keeping that in your purse and then putting, putting your food mm -hmm. in the Tupperware and taking it home instead of taking a box um, from the restaurant, asking for no plastic Silverware. If you're if you're getting food delivered, you can always write a note in that you don't need any napkins or silverware or anything that they usually include without asking you. We do bamboo uh, bamboo toilet paper. <laughs> wow, you guys do everything. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I just feel like there's there's so many accessible options now. It just really takes us, you know, taking a few minutes to think about which option is better uh, for the environment, and it's it's. It's usually right there. We just have to look, do a little bit of digging for it. I have a, I have a glass tube that holds my floss instead of like plastic floss. There's a lot of great eco-friendly um, floss companies uh, where it's like a refillable floss. Basically, you, like you have your jar and then they just send you the string to go in it. So there's no plastic involved. Uh, same thing with the razor. I got rid of my plastic razor and I have. Uh, like a stainless steel safety razor now with, you know, 
there's just a bunch of little things you could do. And a bamboo toothbrush. There's everything. Yeah. Just And if anybody's looking for these items, a lot of them you can find on Amazon. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. So easy. Amazon, even if you just go to, like, your local grocery store, they usually have bamboo toilet paper or, you know, when you're doing paper towels, something a little bit more eco-friendly. Um, but, yeah, I make my own toothpaste because I'm a weirdo hippie. So that's no. um, <laughs> Once you get going, though, like, it's just – you get so into it. Like, I feel like I like, it's such a competition with myself. I'm like, oh, can I like not have garbage this week? And like, can I recycle this? Can I get this in a recyclable manner? And it's great oh, if, you're, if you're budgeting, because I always joke around with my dad. I'm like, if I'm like too cheap to like get an Uber or like do something, I'll just be like, oh, I'm an environmentalist. <laughs> but really, I'm just being, I'm being cheap. <laughs> and I share a car because I realized that I just truly don't need one. We can get by with one car. And so I don't have a car either. So there's just, and that's a little bit more drastic for people. Not everybody has that option, but um, yeah, I feel good about all the, all the choices I, I've been making. That's amazing that you don't have a car. I lived in Los Angeles for a year back in 2010 and yeah. I was like, ah, oh, you need a car. But if you, you, if you're sharing a car, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and I work from home, so really I just don't need to go anywhere during the day. And then when he gets home from work, if I need the car, I have it in the evening. But it's worked out really great. Uh, another thing I'm doing is because I'm a business owner uh, and currently have like physical products that I sell, um, I'm actually working on digitizing uh, that company. And so it's the Dix by Delaney right now is hand-painted coffee mugs. Um, but I'm in the process of transforming that into... Uh, pe people can basically purchase the digital design and then they can print it out on whatever they want. So I'm also trying to be very mindful about uh, the businesses I run to and making them as eco-friendly uh, as possible, you know, within reason, obviously. Oh yeah. my gosh. And that keeps your workspace minimize It minimizes your workspace in terms of like yes. all the clutter as well. That's so everything interesting. For me. Yes. So actually, speaking of your home, and considering you are an artist and entrepreneur working from your home, how have you organized your workspace to kind of stay clear of distractions and also like find, you know, insert your personality and spark creativity? Yeah. So for my workspace, my workspace is also like my dining room area. <laughs> yeah. I have a small apartment. Um, and so... Uh, what I do is I have like a I have a dresser in our dining room area that has all of my work supplies, uh, the mugs and the paints and the, the packaging supplies and everything. And so all I do is take out what I need, put it on my dining room table for the day. I work at my table like it's my little desk. And then at the end of the day, I put everything away so I don't see it because I'm somebody that if I see my work, I will be tempted to work constantly. But if I put it away kind of like out of sight, out of mind. So I have one area that's designated for all of my work stuff. That's where I keep my laptop uh, and everything else. And then um, as far as, um, you know, the, some of the creative stuff I like to do, um, I have a background in art. That's how, that's kind of how Dix by Delaney happened uh, back in the day. So I, I paint for fun on canvas and uh, I paint picture frames and like anything. I painted our coffee table. So anything that I can just do is like kind of just bringing color to what we already have and so yeah I have just like my artwork in my home are things that I've made or you know friends have made me so they're all very personal pieces of art and 
when it comes to just decorating my home, I just really think about how I want to feel in that space and what the what what do I want to be doing in that in that area. So for me, it's like okay, the bedroom is I want to feel calm and relaxed, and then I just have like a lot of light lavenders and light blues in my room and. Living room is a little bit more lively, so there's bright oranges and bright blues, and yeah, I just kind of think about color versus stuff now. Like instead of filling my space with stuff, I think about um, adding pops of color and, and all that kind of thing. Considering you, I mean, work from home, and you know, you also have your personal life as well, but it's out of the same space. How do you separate the two, especially you know? I'd love to provide some advice for people who are kind of in the same scenario and maybe they find it challenging to tell them to say, hey, stop working. My partner's home. I need to be present with him or her. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard, especially, you know, I do have some workaholic tendencies, so I have to be, I have to really be on my own ass about this. I've just kind of made an agreement with myself that I really, really try my best not to work after 5 p.m. So as far as consulting goes, I rarely take calls after like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I try to make sure that all my emails have been answered for the day. Like anything anything that can wait tomorrow, I'll have wait till tomorrow. But really for me, it's the physical act of like putting things away to make me feel like, all right, I'm leaving work now. I'm closing up shop because really five feet away is my living room where I'm going to just hang out and try not to think about work. So um, it's really nice uh, to have like the external accountability of, I know that my boyfriend comes home at 5.30 and I want to spend time with him. So for me, I really, really try to have my day wrapped up by 5 or 5.30. And then when he's home, I really, I try my best uh, not to work. Sometimes I, I fail, but yeah, it's like having that person as kind of accountability is helpful. But if you don't have that person, which I never, you know, there was a point where I didn't, um, it's really just giving yourself some kind of external accountability. If you can, maybe you sign up for like an exercise class or some kind of class that starts at 6 p.m., you know, on weekdays. And so you are forced not to work after that time or something like that. Um, I find myself really having to set things up in, in that way to, to make me not work while I'm at home in my, in my free time. Actually, Lauren taught me this because she goes, hey, like you should set a time block in your schedule. We use bullet journals to manage our time. And, you know, before, you know, she would go to the mall and then she would say, oh, I'm going to spend an hour here. And then she would spend a little bit more time. But now that she's kind of blocked her calendar, am I right? Like she's yeah. like, no, it's hard. But I, I would get so obsessed with it about like, walking time and I had to account for all the time and I'd be like oh, walking around the city eating an ice cream cone I'm like I wonder what I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> so you gotta be careful with it and find a balance with it because I'm like you like I have to consciously stop myself from working or I will oh. just work all day every day so <laughs> it's so hard yes yeah, block scheduling is super helpful especially you know working from home I'll try to just set a timer or an alarm on my phone and give myself, you know, one hour for this task or two hours for the next task. And when the alarm goes off, I have to stop and I have to move on or take a break or whatever it is. So that is very, very helpful. Yeah. And I, you, you recently recorded an episode where you guys, on um, Self Helpless, where you guys talked about Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you mentioned that 
you started to check your email only a couple times a day. So you're being more intentional with your to do's. So are you still doing that today? And are there other kind of tips you can provide for yeah. Yeah, being more intentional about your digital life? I do it very, I do it very imperfectly. So some days I feel like I'm crushing it with my time blocking and some days I am just all over the place. But ideally on a, on a good day, I will, I will wake up and really try to get the most annoying thing about my day done first. So whether that is responding uh, with, you know, with like a large email to somebody or uh, packaging a bunch of my mugs or just something that's like, all right. If I can get this done first thing, the rest of my day feels so much easier. I try to focus on that one first, and then I will check my emails once when, when that is finished. So whether that's at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., that's when I check my emails and social media and stuff like that. And then I'll go back to working on the next thing, and then I will uh, you know, take lunch and breaks and hang out with my dog and all that good stuff. And then in the afternoon, around 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock, I'll check my emails again and respond to whatever I need to to kind of wrap up my day. And, yeah, so I would say for me, like, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. is usually when I try to do that stuff. Um, but it doesn't always happen that way. But ideally, that that is very helpful. Um, I also don't have, like, Facebook on my phone or Facebook Messenger on my phone or Twitter on my phone. Like a lot of my social media stuff is not connected to my phone and it's just, just on my computer. So I have to actually make an effort to go and check a lot of my social media stuff. Um, I found that very helpful. And there's just so many things. Even on like Facebook, I, I downloaded like a, a plugin to where you can't see your news feed on Facebook. So for me, I go into Facebook and I, I don't see anything. It's freaking great. And so for me, because I use Facebook for some of my work-related stuff, um, and then I really have to, you know, if I want to look at other people's things, I can. Uh, it's called Newsfeed Eradicator. Cool. And you just don't see the newsfeed. So you, when you go on there, you just do what you kind of set out to do, and you get off. And I, felt, I find that's quite helpful. So little, little tricks like that to make, set some boundaries with social media. You no, know, it's great. But because we're so accessible to everybody, training people how to interact with you. Um, as far as like, if somebody texts you at 10 p.m. and you respond, they're going to think that they can do that and you're going to respond. So you've got to also maybe set some boundaries with yourself. Like, even if I get text messages after 7 p.m., I'm not responding until the next morning. And that will kind of train people to realize that, look, I can either text, I can text her tonight or I can text her in the morning. She doesn't really respond in the evening, so I might as well wait. Like training other people how to uh, contact you as well. Yeah, I always say train the dog, whether it's your friends or, yeah. or your partner. I mean, you don't need to respond immediately sometimes. And you're like, hey, is this pressing or is this not? And like, your friends will understand if you get back to them after 24 hours, we shouldn't be expected to constantly react. Yeah. But that being said, we, we live in a very reactive culture. And because of that, uh, millennials especially, we are considered the burnout generation. Uh, yeah. And so we recently interviewed an author named Hamza Khan, and he wrote a book called The Burnout Gamble. And so I wanted to, to ask you about burnout, especially considering your past 
work life. I, I'm sure you, you must have burnt out before. Um, oh, so bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about what you experienced uh, and how you've kind of shifted your lifestyle uh, to make room for rest and recovery. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I remember exactly when I burned out. I, uh, I, was, I, had, I was working a full-time day job. I was doing the podcast. I was doing stand-up. I was writing another script. I was on an improv troupe. I was just doing way, way, way too much. I was doing Dicks by Delaney. So I had like six jobs, I felt like. And I just remember like walking around my day job, you know, where I worked on my lunch break and I didn't have my phone with me and I... I had like some serious brain fog. I didn't I didn't know what time it was. I didn't know how long I'd been walking around. I didn't remember like what I was supposed to be doing when I got back. Um, I had forgot that I um, I scheduled like a lunch date with somebody. Just everything felt like it was falling apart in a way, at least inside my head. Yeah, um, you can't do it all. Exactly. And so I obviously had I'd hit a wall and I uh, I realized I really needed help to manage this and try to get out of this. And I needed help uh, trying to figure out what things I needed to get rid of. I just didn't know. Everything felt like urgent. Everything felt like I didn't want to give it up. Um, and so I ended up finding a therapist in my area and just telling her, like, look, I, I struggle with workaholism and I am I have too much going on and I don't know how to get rid of any of it. And so working with her... Uh, you know, Taylor and Kelsey um, were always super supportive, and we read a couple books that helped me. The The Four Tendencies by um, Gretchen Rubin. I don't know if you guys have read that. That was super helpful for me uh, dealing with burnout and workaholism. And then also the Workaholics Anonymous book was a, a big wake-up call as well. Wow, I think I need to read that. <laughs> yeah. So those were really good. And with the four, uh, the four tendencies, I kind of realized why I was doing certain things, which made so much sense. Uh, so with the four tendencies, you can be an obliger, an upholder, a questioner, or a rebel. And I'm an obliger, which means that I, I, if I have an external accountability, I can do something. Uh, but I kind of break promises to myself. That's kind of the gist. And so I realized that I was in a lot of this, all these activities or these jobs because I didn't want, let, want to let other people down, even though it was something I didn't want to do myself. And so that that made it very clear what activities in my life needed to go. Um, I had to kind of sit down and be really honest about what actually makes me happy, what do I enjoy, and what's going to lead to my lifestyle from having flexibility, working from home and being my own boss. And so I had like six things on my list that I was doing and I narrowed it down to two. The only things in my life that I was enjoying that could also lead to flexibility was the podcast and my Dick Spidelini mugs. And so I quit everything else. Um, I eased out of everything else and, and just narrowed it down to those two things and it worked. And then it, Months later, I had I had my dream job basically by just kind of getting rid of the the clutter. Absolutely, and you're you are living your dream life right now, right? Like you are you're doing everything you want to, and that's a beautiful thing. And I find that Lauren and I are both doing that as well. But we also love to let our audience know that it it does require constant maintenance, and 
it's going to be imperfect every day. And there are going to be moments of crazy stress and all of this stuff that people don't see, they only see the success, right? Uh, and some you recently mentioned in a podcast on, on your podcast, that you actually manage your stress by setting a daily worry or anxiety appointment with oh, yourself. So good. So, yeah. so this is yeah. super intriguing. Can you like give our audience more background on this? Yes, so my therapist, my current therapist, um, is awesome, and uh, she, because she, I, I feel like I always have like kind of low-grade worry or anxiety, even if things are going well, um, and she just said, you know, set a time with yourself. So my, my worry appointment is usually around 3 p.m., <laughs> and I put it in my calendar. I know this sound, might sound crazy to some people, but I put it in my calendar, and what it does is, like, if I start to worry about something before 3 o'clock, I just say, oh, I, I can worry about this later at 3 o'clock. And so it, 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 it kind of forces you to be present and, and not so stressed out, and then by the time three o'clock rolls around, sometimes I feel like I need my worry appointment and you have to do it for only like 10 minutes. Don't go over 10 minutes or it becomes it become not great. Uh, it can become counterproductive. So, so what do you do in those 10 minutes? Like, is it like, are you? I, yeah, I just sit there and I think of every scenario that could go wrong with what I'm doing. And that's it. I just think about all, all, the, all the things. And sometimes I try to come up with uh, solutions, uh, like last resort solutions. But some, most of the time what will happen is that 3 o'clock will roll around and I'm not worried anymore. I don't feel stressed out and so I don't need my appointment because uh, I got certain things accomplished during the day because I wasn't worried um, that I no longer have anything to worry about that day. So uh, I highly recommend it if anybody is curious about that. Okay, I have to go back on what you said about your huge list and how you burned out. <laughs> because yeah. I, I feel like I have that exact list. Like I have a full-time job in real estate. I have a writing position for a website in real estate. I have a podcast. I do stand-up. And yeah. it's like you, you don't know what to drop. But what I recently started implementing, I've never had a therapist. I would love to have one. I yeah. don't want to put money into it and I don't have benefits. Side note, we <laughs> recommend betterhelp.com. Oh, good. Yeah. Love BetterHelp. That's where my therapist is from. Yeah. So yeah. what I do is every I wake up super early. I'm a morning person, and I just started implementing this into my life where I have reflection time. So I look at what's going on in my life and why I think the issues or the problems, um, why I think that I have them, um, like solutions I can come up with. But then I also do it on a positive note. So it's like, what's going good in my life? And why do I think that I've had that success as well in like the positive life? So Great. yeah, it's good. It's, it's so important to be self-reflective. And I love that you have that time to just look at what you're worrying about. Because a lot of times we just shove it under the rug or we'll just go have a drink and try to forget about it or end up working too much to forget about it. So yeah. And I feel like the biggest the hardest part for our generation is that we all have to make money to pay our bills, which is getting more and more expensive to live, especially we're in Toronto, you're in Los Angeles, but then you have to like pursue this thing on the side that makes you happy and that you eventually want to do without burning out and you still have to have a life on top. So what's your biggest advice on how to, to design that lifestyle without going crazy? Like how do you exit that 
that that um, life where you're like you you are in a court like how did you decide to leave your corporate job I think that's what you're asking is like how did you feel yeah. ready to do that and did you potentially have to burn out to get there that is a great question so kind of yes um what really happened is there are certain things that once I realized how burnt out I was uh I quit immediately like the improv troupe I quit I told this other person that I can't write the script anymore. There were certain things I'm like, all right, these are immediately off my plate because I don't really enjoy doing them and I don't even want this to be my career, so why am I doing this right now? And, you know, sometimes they were fun, but if I want to reincorporate that back into my life, I can at whatever point I need to. Um, so some things I got off my plate uh, as, as soon as possible. With stand-up, I had to give myself like a graduation project in a way, because with stand-up, uh, there is no finishing it, there's no graduating it, there's no like, it's just a weird thing if you've been doing it for six and a half years and then you just stop doing it. I, I just didn't see that going very well for me. I think I have a lot of anxiety about it. Uh, so I, I produced my own comedy special called Love at First Cousin, and that was a special that I planned and, and co-produced and, and worked on in order to basically say, okay, I did this project and now I'm done. Like it was kind of like my, my diploma <laughs> of stand-up. So once I did that, I felt like I could leave stand-up and, and not really question it much. And then with my day job, what happened was I knew when I had to leave my day job because I could not balance my day job with Dick's by Delaney anymore. I was getting so many orders and I was making enough money uh, to support myself without the day job income that it just made sense. I tried to do both for a while, but both doing both looked like me waking up at five in the morning to finish some of my mugs, go to work, and then come home and sit until like one or two. And so that was not sustainable. So I had to basically tell my boss, um, I started this business, it's going well, and I can either quit right now or give my notice, which I would prefer not doing, uh, or I can like go down to part-time here if that would work. And so I was able to work part-time at my day job until I eventually left. So it kind of felt like I had no other choice, like something had to give until you get to a point where you are supporting yourself, where you have a nest egg of some kind. I would not leave the day job because what can happen is if you leave too soon, then this pressure is on yourself to make money off of this thing that you're trying to get off the ground and you don't really give it much breathing room and it really needs some breathing room. So I think uh, keep the day job until you really, really can't or don't have to. That's incredible advice. I feel like we are calling you on your creative services right now. <laughs> you're incredible. Uh, I wanted to give you share a little tidbit with you. So when we were speaking to Hamza on burnout, he talked about how you definitely need to figure out what needs to go if you're juggling too much. But he also gave some advice, you know, around you actually don't need to drop something. You could just be more mindful about how much time you're spending on each thing. For example, yeah, so with your your day job, you moved it to part-time. So you were intentional about that, and it was great that you had that opportunity. So let's yeah. say that, you know, for me personally, I'm going through a point in my life where there's no free time, and that needs to be changed. Like, I need to change that. But in the meantime, 
thankfully through minimalism, I've been able to design my calendar around my energy output, which was inspired by Hamza. So what he does is he color codes his calendar by how much energy he's putting out in the world so that he can balance uh, his life so that he has room for recovery and boredom, he says. So that's what I've created. I've said like, hey, like even in my work schedule, because my work is crazy. So it's like, hey, like I'm going to take 10, 20 minutes here to just go for a walk for a mental break. And like all these things are so important. So you don't always, uh, for me, like I know that I need to balance my time a little bit better, but also figure out something that I need to get rid of in my life um, because you can't do it all, right? So Absolutely. It's, it's good to be aware yeah. of all that. So yeah, yeah, and it's really for me. I have to if I if I say to myself, okay, I really want to try to carve out some time to like go sit by the pool this week and take a you know a thirty minute break there. If I don't write it in my calendar, I won't do it. So I have to schedule my downtime and my playtime basically the way that I would schedule a work appointment or a meeting or something like that. So I really. Sometimes I will look at my calendar and it will say like, yeah, take a walk or go to the pool <laughs> or, you know, uh, yeah, pool, walk, um, have fun, literally. I mean, it's, it seems so silly, but if it's not written down, I think I can push it off till later and then I just don't do that for myself. And so that might be uh, another thing that could help people if they find that, you know, they're not really prioritizing the self-care or the downtime that you might need to schedule it the way that you do something for work or like a dentist appointment but it's an appointment just for you to do something nice for yourself exactly and that actually comes with the idea of saying no right because some people will be like oh yeah like come meet me here but you're like oh I have this in my schedule like what is important right now yeah I love that there's lots of quotes with that type of thing where you know saying saying no to other things or other people is saying yes to yourself so you're always whether you're saying yes or no to something there is the other end of it so if you're saying yes to something you really don't want to do you're saying no to something that you could be doing that you enjoy and I think that's really important to keep in mind now that's so well said and for those who uh, listen to Self Helpless, they would also agree uh, or know of this. There's this running joke on your podcast about how Delaney, you, you always do your own thing. Uh, and I love that because I feel like it's a part of your minimalist values and you, you know what you need and you know what you want in your life. So Yes, and it took a while to get there. I had to try a lot of different things to figure out what I liked and what I didn't like. And so... If anybody is feeling a little bit lost or burnt out and uh, just know you're not alone and sometimes it, it takes doing a bunch of things to really, really get clear on what you want. There's a really funny quote. It's, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I did that for years. Yes. Yeah. Right? And it, it, people think, oh, she knows what she's doing. And you're like, am I? It's like that whole idea of like imposter syndrome. You've touched on this as well. It's, uh, have you ever heard of uh, Don't Keep Your Day Job, the oh, podcast? Yeah, yes, I love that podcast. Oh, I That's love one of the podcasts that really helped me um, basically leave my day job. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, highly recommend that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, she always says that, you know, a lot of us, especially when we're branching out to kind of pursue our passion, we feel imposter syndrome. We're like, whoa, like it's actually happening. People see me as a thought leader in this space. Like this is insane. Yeah. Like this is, but you need to ride that. So yes, 
Absolutely. Yeah, we have, we have interviewed Kathy Heller on Self Helpless if anybody's interested in in uh, listening to her. But yeah, it, that that is a great podcast. I also love the Gold Digger podcast. If anybody, you know, a uh, young entrepreneur or not young, but new entrepreneur, lots of great tips on that show uh, with Jenna Kutcher. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. That's awesome. That's well, so thank you so much for speaking with us today. Really enjoyed the conversation, and I think you provided so many tips for our listeners. So <laughs> awesome! This was so great. Yeah, it was amazing speaking to you. I feel like I have so much in common with you. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. If you're if you're doing all, a million things and you're you're trying, if you're pursuing your dreams, uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, you and Lauren are so similar. Just listening to your podcast and being best friends with Lauren, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you two need to meet one day. <laughs> like, it's insane. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, so where can our audience find you? Yeah, you can uh, you can find DelaneyFisher.com is my website. Uh, I really only use Instagram, and I love hearing from people. So you can follow me at DelaneyFisher on Instagram. Self-Helpless is the podcast. Um, if anybody's interested in any kind of creative consulting, you can you can message me or email me, and I'd love to love to help you out if I can. And then if anybody's interested in therapy, since we talked about therapy, <laughs> betterhelp.com slash self-helpless should give you some discounts with that. So if anybody is curious. Amazing. Yeah, we're. I think Lauren and I will definitely explore that. <laughs> yeah we need it we all need it i don't think it's it's not taboo it's not taboo yeah it's great (laughs) all right well thanks again and hopefully we can meet you the next time we're out in los angeles we'll definitely give you a shout or if you're in toronto let us know yeah if you're in toronto you never know but uh but we we actually took a trip out uh west uh gosh i guess a year ago now um, two years ago. Two years ago two now. Years Last ago. year we went to Italy together, but we usually do a trip every year. But uh, we we go to Los Angeles quite a bit, so we'll definitely give you a shout. Oh hell yeah! Hit me up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. All right, thanks again, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much, Jenny. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. That was a conversation with comedy podcaster, creative entrepreneur, and fellow minimalist Delaney Fisher. You can learn more about Delaney and her podcast and creative services by checking out our show notes. You can also follow us on social media at Millennial Minimalists. And if you haven't already done so, please give us a quick five-star rating review on iTunes. Your reviews support the growth of this podcast and help us interview more exciting guests each week. Thanks again, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.